Welcome, listener, to a very, very uh, special episode of Sky Pirate Radio. Uh, my name is Jace, and as always, I'm accompanied by uh, fellow early 2000s Australian magazine aficionado, Kevin Stott. Hello, it's me. I have a fine collection. <laughs> very, a, a very formidable <laughs> collection. Uh, so, we have a couple of super special guests uh, today. I'll introduce them both uh, formally. First off... We have the post-doctoral fellow studying moral education and development as it relates to video games. He's also a freelance writer who is known for his work in publications like Hyper, uh, PC Powerplay, Egra, Total Gamer, and like a million other things. It's Dr. Dan Staines. Hello. Um, Thank you for thoroughly embarrassing me in your intro. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've I've got to thoroughly, very thoroughly... uh, Kiss both of your butts <laughs> a lot. Well, I I appreciate that, and I'm slightly creeped out, but thank you. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm um, sort of nervous now because I feel like Daniel's accomplishments actually, sort of, uh, I don't think I don't think my intro is going to be as impressive. I'm not a uh, doctor I'll, for one thing. Well, <laughs> I'll spice it up for you, Patrick. But do you want me to give you sort of like a you know call you master, Patrick? You know, <laughs> really... That makes me sound like I'm ten. <laughs> <laughs> And you're and you're seventy, <laughs> young I'm master your, Patrick old Butler. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll spice up your intro for you, Patrick, so it makes you sound a lot a, very good. They know who I am now. It's spoiled anyway. Yeah, well, I, I've I've written this intro, so I don't want to <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, secondly, I don't know who that mystery man was. Uh, we have the cartoonist, uh, writerist, and um, general renaissance man of the future known for works such as Raimondo Person, Tobias and Jube uh, and also eager and Total Gamer uh, his new Tobias and Jube comic Tobias and Jube and the Something Hat Mystery is out on the Stellar app on September 25th and it's Patrick Alexander Hello, Master, Master Patrick Alexander <laughs> Young Master Patrick Yes <laughs> Hello Jace Nice to Hello. meet you, Kevin. Hello. And uh, this is uh, a long time coming sort of get together for uh, Dan and Patrick, who who worked together on on multiple projects through the two thousands, uh, like Igra, mm. uh, Total Gamer, mm. a, 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 a bunch of stuff, GBA World. Also, Dan, I heard about PSX World. I didn't know that was a thing. PSX World. Oh, was that uh, PSW? PSW. Yeah, that was a PSW. Chase. Know your magazines. Yeah, that was an import PlayStation mag that I localized while we were doing Ooh. Total Gamer and GBA World. <gasps> oh, so you did? Yeah, I completely I forgot it. about that. Yeah, I, I think you hated it more because I don't think I had to really do much for it at all. But, like, it was just this constant distraction from the task at hand. Oh, they had this really kind of ultra-blokey tone that I think we kind of made fun of a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. The magazine itself, I think, we didn't like particularly. Yeah, yeah. Alright, because I thought I was missing out on, like, another sort of GBA world situation, but it was for for PlayStation. Oh, you know what? Here's a fun fact. An inside story about PSW. When PSW got shut down... I sent out a sarcastic email to 
all the sort of publishers and distributors that I usually don't read. <laughs> basically saying, oh boy, it's such a terrible shame that this magazine got shut down. Oh well, I guess we'll have to get on with our lives. And somehow that got back to the publisher, Phil, who was... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the next next media publisher, our yeah, publisher. Yeah, yeah. Phil Keir. Mm. And he was not impressed for a couple of reasons. One was that he didn't want the British people who had licensed us the magazine for some reason to know that he was shutting it down. So he was super mad about <laughs> that. And then he was super mad on top, right. on top of that because of, you know, the fact that I sort of just said the magazine was shit. Which in <laughs> retrospect wasn't, wasn't a great move on my part, but... <laughs> That's, yeah... I, 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 I'm sort of, um, I, I remember you just being a lot more professional than me all the time. So <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it kind of been that bad. Uh, before we get too into, uh, the, uh, magazine stuff, I wanted to rap a little bit with Patrick about the new Tobias and Jube that is imminently approaching. Yes. Coming to us. Mm. Um, uh, so, it's been... The last Tobias and Jube was around 2005, right? Um, let me see. I, I started... My, my first association with um, these Next Media magazines, which led me mm. to, to work on these magazines with Daniel, um, was drawing kids' comics for the newly launched, at the time... A mania magazine, the kids magazine, which I think launched in 2001. And uh, I started with a comic called Pink Chickens, which was there pretty much from the start, maybe from issue two, I think. Um, and then, yeah, I stopped doing Pink Chickens after a while, after a year. Was that and a because half. Um, someone, a, a woman, a lady wrote in who was very got, angry with. It got a few complaints. Um, one of which got through to Phil, I think. I think the my editor, Ricky, used to sort of fob off the complaints because they were all very silly. Um, yeah. But then one of one of these parents had the um, uh, had the sense, I guess, to um, carbon copy the publisher into the email as well, and he got sure. angry about it. So um, yeah, just just the comic had got cancelled. And so I replaced it with Tobias and Jube, um, which uh, I think was... I, I think Tobias and Jube started maybe 2003, maybe? Um, yeah. No, maybe maybe 2002, 2003. Anyway, 15 mm. years ago. Yes. Um, I believe time. it started. So, uh, and the, the concept of Tobias and Jube, really, because Pink Chickens was something I put all of my effort into, like... And it was just driving me crazy. Um, so it was almost a relief to have it cancelled. Not really because I was devastated, but um, after I got over it, I was sort of like, well, the next comic, the concept will be to keep it as simple as possible. So I just mm. drew these blobs um, and uh, and coloured it really simply, just using flat colours, um, which I should have chosen more carefully in retrospect. Um, I like the flat colours, but those early comics... the the, the colours I used were sort of like default ugly Photoshop colours. Um, but yeah, so that's how Tobias and Jube started uh, 15 years ago in Mania magazine. And and I, you know, it was less effort than Pink Chickens 
Um, and I was just being sort of silly with it and making it up as I went along. But in retrospect, when I go back and I read those old comics, I think Tobias and Doob holds up much better um, than Pink Chickens. And, you know, probably for that reason that I was trying less hard with it, um, which results sometimes in better work because, you know, you're not, you're not as self-conscious. You're not, uh, you know, you're just vomiting out whatever pops into your head, which often is the best way to go. Um, you know, if if you're brilliant. <laughs> so you have these new. Uh, will they be like disparate issues, or will they be all sort of s- central? Like they'll all follow a certain plot? Because Tobias and Jube is sort of episodic in that there's like I think it's five different issues that are all fairly disparate and not related to each other. Will this yeah. be? one sort of self-contained uh, work? I think or... there were maybe four completed Tobias and Jube stories in Mania mm-hmm. magazine. Uh, over and over you did about one after the fact, I believe. I did, I did one just like short little four-page one just, just for fun by myself, which, which was only ever posted up on the internet. Um, but um, I did that for about... Uh, Maybe a year or a year and a half or two years, I'm not sure. But even though there were these complete stories, it would only be like four pages or six pages per issue. Um, so they, they had to sort of work page by page anyway, um, or at least bit by bit, chunk by chunk. And eventually I would just decide, okay, this one's finished. Now the next one. Um, this new comic is, um, you know, almost like a kind of... Uh, relaunch, I guess. Although whether it's actually going to lead anywhere, I don't know. It's but it's self-contained. Um, it's uh, it's been commissioned by this startup app publisher, Steeler, um, and it's f- one story, five chapters, uh, one chapter each week for five weeks, um, and you do have to subscribe to the service. Uh, I think it's the service is ten dollars a month, but you get access to a whole bunch of other comics. Um, and because it's only five chapters, if you're, you know, if your budget is limited, if you're a bit wary of this kind of thing, I'll give you a sneaky little tip, which is I imagine you could just subscribe from the second week of the comic, um, catch up on the first week, and then you'll be subscribed for the remainder of the run. Mm. So it's on paper. Um, it's about, in total, if I ever do a book, the story is going to be maybe, I think, between 50 and 60 pages. I think something like 57 pages. Um, Substantial. It's Yeah, yeah. it is. I'm super proud of it. Um, it's the first time I think I've ever really done a comic that's actually a single, complete, reasonably coherent story Um, from start to finish. Um, When I was a kid, I really loved Asterix comics um, and those sort of European-style short albums, um, those short comic albums where it wasn't a big, fat graphic novel. It was just a sort of thin volume, self-contained, a single story that was long enough to be interesting but short enough to read in an afternoon. And I always wanted to do books like that. I always wanted to do a, a, just a long, fun little story. Um, and so, yeah, this doing this new comic for Steeler 
has kind of been an opportunity to finally do a comic like that. And I'm really, really happy with the results. Um, I got my friend Lynn Wiesel, who is also a cartoonist based in America. Um, she draws mostly porn. She's very, very talented. Uh, but she's also she also works as a colorist, and I've gotten her to do the coloring for this comic. And the reason I've gotten her to do it, apart from the fact that she's a friend, is that she colors the way I would color if I were better at coloring. Um, her style... <laughs> Her style really matches Tobias and Jube, and I thought I could do it myself, but if I can get her to do it, um, and I had enough of a budget that I could afford to, to hire a colorist, so I thought if I can get her to do it, it'll be, you know, it'll be really good. And yeah, basically, once, once we got going, it was really good, because she could sort of see inside my head and kind of understand what, what I was going for, what I wanted, and... Um, just brought these magical colors to the book, so it looks great. Um, the 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 story is complete farce. Um, at every turn, the jokes trump the story. Um, the story is there to serve the jokes. The story is there to serve the comedy. Um, it is. It is. It does have a beginning and a middle and an end, um, amazingly, and and it does <laughs> flow and it does have some you know, motifs and themes and things. But ultimately, it's it's there for the jokes. Um, but yeah, even so, I have actually managed to finally, for the first time in my life, at least, not strictly speaking, but for the first time in my own mind, I feel like this is... I've really made a proper story with a beginning and a middle and an end that I planned out beforehand, that I sat down to draw, and I actually managed to finish. Uh, so... Yeah, this is this is like a huge, huge deal for me. I'm immensely proud of it, and I think it's the yeah. best comic I've ever done. I think it's one of the best. I think it's probably the best thing I've ever done, and I hope, I hope uh, it's popular and that everyone reads it. <laughs> That's so exciting. That's really awesome. It is. It's really Can't exciting. Wait. I cannot wait to read it. Mm. Um. So that'll be on Steela, which I'll change my pronouncing of now. Yeah, yeah. me too. I. I think it's a bad choice of name, honestly. I don't want to disparage my publisher, but they launched this they launched this new service, and the first thing they did was send out all these press releases to all the comics websites, and in all the interviews they did and all the press releases they sent out, like the second thing they had to say was, "Oh, by the way, it's pronounced Steeler," and it's like if if you have to point that out, <laughs> just pick a different name. You know, you're just beginning. If <laughs> it's not too late, everyone's gonna say Stella. It looks like Stella. Anyway, yeah. it's s t e l a dot com. The word comes from, I think, the ancient Greek word for tablet. So the idea being that it's a comic you read in your hand. The comics are these kind of. They've sort of um, copied the style of like line manga and comico here in Japan where you have vertically scrolling comics that are designed to be read on a smartphone so rather than trying to squish a normal comic page or reformat a normal comic page for the phone uh, which can be really awkward and clumsy they're just doing comics which are designed to be read top to bottom you just swipe vertically uh, as you read yeah um and it's really nice and, and comfortable. 
Uh, yeah, so it's Stila, S-T-E-L-A, dot com. Gotcha. And you can look it up on the App Store and I think the Android Store, and they have slightly different versions depending on which and which country. I'm not sure exactly of all the details. I don't know. Can I just well, say, Patrick, I... that your mm. your accent has undergone an interesting transformation. Ah, uh, my accent's always fucked. It's <laughs> I, 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 no, no. Well, I it's because so. like since I've yeah. been living here, I found that I sort of just uh, unconsciously I'm pronouncing my R's a lot more. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm just noticing the same thing in your speech. Mm. I think that mm. must be universal to Australians. I, I, yeah, I suspect so. I think partly it's from just trying to communicate with a lot of international people, and yeah. partly it's from teaching English for so many years, where you want your students to be able to uh, sort of make the connection between what you're writing and what you're saying. Oh, yeah, I didn't um, even consider that. Yeah, and so, yeah, I think the last time, you know, we, we hung out all the time was before I ever came to Japan, when, when I lived in Sydney. Yeah, it So, been. yeah, ever since living in Japan the first time, um, I've kind of had this weird sort of accent that's still an Australian accent. The vowels are all still Australian. It's just sort of fucked Australian. It I get almost Irish. Yeah, maybe, because Irish is... It's kind of connected to the Australian accent, isn't it? Mm. Sort of historically, but they do they do pronounce their rotics in a way that um, that we lost. Um, yeah, Shakespeare's English apparently was a lot closer to the modern Irish accent. Huh. Um, yeah. Guys, yeah, you heard it here some... first. Patrick <laughs> is the next Shakespeare with his accent. Yes, here. I speak the Very language much. of Shakespeare. <laughs> so. Uh, Dan, uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about what you uh, are doing currently in uh, Montreal. Uh, okay. So, you're, uh, what university are you working with right now? I'm at Concordia University, which is a, right. a sort of English-speaking university in Montreal. And I'm working at... Uh, so, I'm at a, a lab called the M-Lab. It's run by Mia Consalvo. She's kind of a kind of a big name in game study she's been around a long time and she's well published and well respected and i'm working with her and a couple of students making a game that's meant to uh be morally challenging uh and to make people feel morally uncomfortable while they're playing it so we've gone with uh, the owner and operator as a, of a paparazzi agency as our theme uh-huh. And we're, yeah, we're building it out now, and sort of we've just gone through the paper prototype phase. It seems like it's coming together okay. We're going to start building it in a uh, Renpai. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like a yeah. visual novel. It'll be a visual novel slash management game. So it'll be kind of like I don't know if you've ever heard of a game called Black Closet, but it's like this game where I you're... was thinking Princess Maker. Sort of like <laughs> that. Pretty much like that, honestly. Yeah. Same sort of deal, except you know, with paparazzi instead of princesses. Yeah right. Ah, <laughs> oh, that that's that's really cool. I'm I'm glad you're actually making a game. That's cool because I know that's what you've been studying from the start. That's been your particular area of interest is moral decisions and, and morality in in video games. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like literally two weeks after I submitted my PhD, uh, and mm. then showed up in my mailbox for this job, and I was just like, holy mm. shit perfect for me i'm really perfect. really happy it's incredibly lucky opportunity yeah and that's super awesome 
Um, are you? How, how's Montreal uh, going? What's life yeah. like in, in another country now compared um, to Sydney? Look, it's honestly it reminds me quite a bit of Adelaide. If you've ever been there. All um, oh, right, sure. It's kind of you know it's it's a city and it's a modern city, but it's kind of dense and small and not particularly busy. So you know you can get on a train at rush hour and still get a seat, for example. So mm. yeah. I mean, it's like Adelaide, but much, much, much cooler than Adelaide. And <laughs> I was going to say, you yeah. said yeah. it's kind of like Adelaide, and I thought, really? I feel like <laughs> Montreal's reputation kind of eclipses Adelaide's yeah. by some well, degree. Yeah, it's summer now, so basically what happens during summer here is because you cannot do anything during the winter. The city right. just comes to life during summer, so there are heaps of festivals, and people are happy and smiling and outdoors and enjoying life, and that all sort of stop around October when it gets to winter again. And, and then it's more like Adelaide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In terms of yeah, the general vibe, yeah, very much. So. <laughs> Except it's sort of the reverse because Adelaide during the summer you can't do anything because it's so fucked hot. Um, yeah, I was there during the heat wave, and it was the worst thing i've ever experienced yeah yeah exactly and it's a very humid heat in adelaide isn't it yeah totally um it was just beaten down for days um i heard that that summer the summer just gone in australia and the winter just gone in australia actually have both been abominable yeah the summer when i was there was brutal yeah Yeah. it's not it's not good mid 40s (laughs) just insane yeah Oh, well, um, planet's dying. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Let's make the most of it by talking about magazines. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's analyse this. Let's really get into it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's examine our legacy while it still exists. Yes. While, while we're still alive. Because after we're dead, I mean, there's, there's going to be bigger concerns. Yes. So, all the archives will be flooded. All the, this will all be the pages all that's left. will be paper mache. I was speaking to Jace, actually. I've got my collection of Total Gamer here. I found them when I was moving. I have oh, nice. Every one of them, 1 through to 27. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. You have to be, like, one of the few people in the world that has... I'm pretty has sure I'm the only person in the world that has a full <laughs> collection. Like, yeah, I don't. Next doesn't. <laughs> I was Like, for a long time, I was wondering, because I, I still need to scan all these um, and put them up somewhere, but... I was like wondering, can I call next and like somehow get these printed? <laughs> <No. Yeah>. No. <laughs> yeah. um, They're not that like... slick an outfit. No. <laughs> I'm missing like four issues, which is a real bummer. But um, I, I'll, look, I'll tell me what they them. are, and I can you know send you my copies. Sure, but I will see when I get there. I'm probably going to um. Uh, post some scans up with this podcast sort of as an accompaniment so people can if people haven't read total gamer they can sort of get an idea of what it is yeah cool but uh total gamer was this what years did it run to like maybe 2004 did yeah it start? 2004 to early 2007 i think and it was just this really um every cover was like really unassuming uh, but when you would open it up, it'd just be like it, it was very much just like looked like a, a children's video game magazine. Um, but the humor in it was really uh, excellent. It was sort of subversive in some interesting ways. It's it like 
that's sort of uh, if people online are familiar with Igra, that sort of like uh, that seed was planted in a uh, total gamer. A lot of mm. that same vein of humor and uh, subversive sort of video game writing in some ways. How did this, Dan? How did this sort of come about? How are you? Because I've been reading back my issues in uh, preparation for this podcast, mm-hmm. and you got away with some shit like during <laughs> your run at, at next like even um one of my favorite things that you guys have done isn't even in total gamer it's from gba world and uh which ran before total gamer it's sort of a precursor um in the last issue uh patrick wrote a strategy guide for i remember legacy this. of goku yeah. Ah, yes, <laughs> that's one of my favourite things I've ever done too. That was actually I think that... what made me want to hire you for Total Gamer. That was sort of like, we were talking <laughs> on the phone at the time a lot around that time. I don't yeah. Know why, but yeah, we were talking to each other fairly regularly on the phone. And yeah, I think I remember... because I was doing freelance stuff for GBA World. And... Yeah, yeah. And I remember reading that and just going, holy shit. Like... So yeah, I guess because it was the last issue... Uh, you... Uh, GBA World had all these strategy guides at the back of the magazine for all these different Game Boy games. Uh, and for the last issue, Patrick wrote, uh, wrote one for Legacy of Goku, uh, which was a series of which there were many on the, the GBA. Just one and of those throwaway licensed anime totally. games. There wasn't much to it. <laughs> and it was just a strange sort of bizarre strategy guide on like how to operate your game boy don't eat it uh that kind of thing it slowly <laughs> spirals into how to make pancakes it's like i consider oh, yeah. it uh, yeah oh, that's right. it turns into a pancake recipe it's a fucking work of postmodern genius i'd love yes. to see it if you have a copy because yeah, i haven't I'm thought going about to, i'm that probably going to i'll probably scan the whole thing up uh, oh wonderful i'd like to see that too up. I was also it's... really proud of this throwaway, cheapo, licensed Yu-Gi-Oh! game that I did a review for, but I edited I edited some of the screenshots, the text oh, in the screenshots, yeah, I and this. I reviewed it I reviewed it as though it were a dating game. <laughs> um, I think that was that was kind of the first really brilliant thing I did for GBA World. <laughs> I'll I'll scan that up as well because I have I have that also uh, as a tr- you can't imagine how I was maybe ten when this came out when the, this <laughs> magazine I was utterly baffled by all of this um, that was going on and, and there was a few like you know like your Spider Man two review uh, just has a, a lot of pictures of the lady from Spider Man two in it instead of many <laughs> screenshots. <laughs> um, <laughs> Huh? Uh, Donkey Kong Country 2 review has a bunch of uh, dating sim Im- images as well for, for no reason. <laughs> it was just it, it was just ridiculous. And I don't know if this was all me to be honest. I, I think that one might have been you because you mentioned it in your review. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> the evidence is right here. But, um, <laughs> uh, so this sort of vibe, like in in sort of in between certain sections of GBA world, you sort of there were these little tiny hints of genius and I think Total Gamer sort of set that into motion in a much bigger way so yeah Dan were they cool did you have anyone like moderating you while you were writing the magazine or nah was no <laughs> you were just given free reign to do whatever. only Dan 
yeah, really pretty much. Anything. Like the only person who read it, like we, a lot of people in the office read it, but I don't think the publisher ever read anything I wrote. Ever. He was really only concerned with the cover. Yeah, the that cover was what took and... up half the time every month. Yeah, <laughs> was that the was poor brutal. designer being you know sent back these notes via Dan, who'd go and have the meeting with the publisher. The cover had to be approved, and that was always this huge back and forth, back and forth. That's what I remember. Yeah, no, it was terrible. It was yeah. He cared about the cover, and he cared about the design on of the magazine, but the editorial content could be anything, as far as he was concerned. He didn't give a shit. Could be L- Laura Mipsum. Yeah, pretty Mipsum much. Laura. <laughs> and I mean, we sort of, as the magazine kept going, we became more aware of that fact. I think, and we started to, <laughs> started to basically just make fun of him in the magazine regularly. <laughs> he just—he never noticed. Really, the only thing was, the only thing was Dan. I think would would sort of pull us back every every three or four issues. Dan would sort of go, "I think we're getting a bit too crazy, and we have to remember that this is actually a magazine," and sort of sort of he he would rein us in a little bit, kind of voluntarily. Um, mm. But yeah, that was that was about all. Yeah, I never got calls from. Oh, actually, no, I got one call from one parent about the magazine, mm. and that was because I talked about Princess Daisy being sexy in Mario Strikers. Like, oh right. Yeah, the Princess Daisy in Mario Strikers was just like basically like you know she, she was booty shorts and she was like doing like yeah. stripper routines and it's like I mentioned that in the magazine and someone rang up and was very upset with that. But that was the only time. Yeah. Parents but wouldn't complained. you rather know, if that's going to bother you, that a video game character is sexy, wouldn't you rather know before you buy the game? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Forget all these these paragraphs of text about Hitler. This woman <laughs> here is wearing booty shorts. Yeah. I remember I remember Total Gamer being more Stalin-focused than... <laughs> yes, there, there was a lot of Stalin as, as well. Oh, we had um, giant robot Hitler. He was he was pretty frequent. Oh, of course! <laughs> no, you're right. I completely forgot. He, we, we'd had heaps of giant robot Hitler, didn't we? <laughs> he became giant Robert Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! What was that about? That was Tim. <laughs> that, was, that would have been Tim, yeah. Tim did a whole letters page. Yeah. Written by hand in one issue, I remember. Hmm. I, yeah, I have that right here. Um, yeah. So that, that's one thing worth mentioning too. Total Gamer had this uh, sort of ongoing cast of characters, uh, such as the intern Tim, who was uh, always tortured, and uh, uh, what else? Hortense, who did the Hot 20. Um, oh, which yeah. Was, which was a horse uh, that was perpetually very happy and eventually. Oh my god! Glue and made into a. I love how dark those columns got. (laughs) They were really great. I forgot about Hortense, (laughs) and she was her 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 portrait was recycled art, like a lot of a lot of the characters. Yeah, yeah. So this the readers never found out about this, you know. So Hortense, for example, uh, Mailbot was another one. When we Uh first started Total Gamer. Uh, I needed to get character art done for all the contributors. And so I asked Patrick to do it, but he didn't have... Because we have this introducing the contributors page at the front of the magazine with little portraits of all the people involved. Yeah, and in the GBA world, they all had little cartoons, and I thought it was a good thing to continue. And yeah, but so we got Patrick to do it, but he didn't have uh, headshots of anyone. 
So he basically just made it up. He just made them all cartoon animals. And all the guys on the on the team were fine with it. But literally every female contributor was like, no, you cannot use these pictures of us. And so we had to get a bunch of new cartoons drawn by Amos, who was in the office at the time. And we ended up recycling all the originals as just characters in the magazine. I'm, I'm glad that you did that, because they were a big... Uh, they really stood out. There was also um, a floating Ken Kutaragi head. Um, <laughs> forget. He was great as well. Um, I remember you had a competition for uh, the readers to do different haikus in his style of prose. <laughs> The PSP. <laughs> um, floating, floating Ken Kudaragi head um, was was Dan's creation, I think. Yeah, it was yes. one we had to do a. I had to do a PSP preview. I had to preview just the the machine itself, and yeah, I couldn't think of an interesting way to do it, and that's what came of it. Because <laughs> at that time, Ken Kudaragi was being totally insanely crazy all the time like he was just spouting nonsense on the regular <laughs> and so it, it didn't yeah. take much to make that character i remember years ago dan came to japan for tokyo game show i think this is after i had moved to japan but i think we we met uh yes. at that time yeah yeah and Dan and I think maybe someone else from from Australia, like from Next Magazine. Yeah, Cam. Um, actually met and had a photograph at this party with Ken Kudaragi, and I was at that party, but I totally missed that, and I was devastated not to, <laughs> not to be in this photo. He's he's become at that point he had become a very a character very close to your heart. <laughs> oh, he was ours. He was no longer himself. Yes. He belonged to us. Like Brian Crescente with Igra. He was ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he became something else entirely. One um, video was all it took. He was ours after that. Yeah. I, I know, Forever. Was he, upset? was he upset about that? I can't remember if ever hearing about his take on that video. I, I don't remember hearing from him publicly yeah. at the time, but I know in the years since, uh, I, I, you know, he seems to have been quite cool about it. Um, and I think actually... A year or two ago, you know how um, Sonic, the official Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account is run by this guy who's got a really good sense of humor. Yeah. Um, very much kind of um, in the vein of of the kind of stuff. Kind of like if if Igra were an official, or or <laughs> if Total Gamer were an official video game publisher mouthpiece, it's kind of probably what we'd be like. Um, but I think, I think. Um, after this Sonic account started getting popular, um, Brian Crescente actually tweeted at Sonic, like, Ah, oh, you beautiful beast, Alpha and Omega! <laughs> and Sonic tweeted back at him, you know, Make my body and my soul weapons in your fight! And um, this was completely not, you know, completely unknown to me until someone pointed it out to me. Um, and I was like, oh my god, amazing. <laughs> So yeah, so he seems to have been cool with it. That's that's very good. I'm glad. Um, but back to Total Gamer. Sure. Um, I wanted to talk about how uh, you, you guys mentioned that you could have put uh, Lorem Ipsum in there, and it would have would have still flown probably. And <laughs> it, sometimes it 
<laughs> comes that way. There's a feat. One of my favorites was um Extra Life, which is when you were talking about sort of culture, sort of adjacent to games. Um, and a lot of the time, it seems like you guys didn't have a lot lot to say in that because <laughs> uh, there, there's. I'm looking at one here uh, that is apparently a PR person gave you guys pictures of Lassie uh, to use in your magazine <laughs> for no what? reason, and. Uh, you said uh, we don't have much space, so we're just well, we have too much space, so we're going to use these pictures of Lassie in Total Gamer and sort of just comment on what they are. It's just like here's Lassie about to pull a drive by in a car. Here's Lassie wearing sunglasses, and that's the whole page of the magazine. It's <laughs> really that, so that it wasn't so much of the best content in that magazine is from us not wanting to do stuff, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's exactly it. I think that's what started a little bit in GBA world, and which we really began to do a lot in e- with with Total Gamer, and which we kind of lost a bit with Igra because I think yeah. with Igra we were sort of too free. Yeah, no, I, and we it's just, interesting you say that because I think exactly the same thing. We just sort of because we could write about anything with Igra, we weren't pointed in any particular direction. It ended up mm. just being mostly us sitting around being cynical. Yeah. Um, but with with Total Gamer, you know, it it was it was meant to be, you know, like a, a video game magazine for either kids or tweens or early teens. This was never really made clear to us, which was one of the problems <laughs> we had. Um, but you know, it's meant to be like a legitimate, real video game magazine. And so me and Dan would sit down sometimes and, and be like, okay, we need to come up with some concepts. I think I'm going to remove this feature because it's not really working. We need to come up with some new features. I Like simple ideas that we can have each issue. That would be kind of a fun thing to do, take up a few pages, you know. Um, and so we'd come up with something like the, what was it called, Dan? Like the video game showdown, the, where it's oh, this video game character versus yeah, that video yeah. game character. What was that? I think it was uh, and Grudge Match. Grudge yeah. Match. Gaming Grudge Match. That's it. And so we'd come up with a simple concept like that. Like, I, I, I'm really bad at simple ideas like this. And I would, I would honestly be trying my best, but coming up with just the most useless, you know, high concept shit. Because, because, <laughs> but like, but, but, you know, usually it'd be Dan that would come up with the good solid ideas. Like, yeah, okay, gaming grudge match. This is a nice, simple idea. People, people love this. Kids love this. Adults love doing this. If this character were to fight this character, who would win? And we can have a little bit of fun with it. We can compare things and, you know, we, we can get a bit silly with it if we want to. You know, if we want to get a little bit crazy, we can sneak some of that stuff in. Hee hee ho ho. And so that's, it's, a, it's a simple concept. We'll have two characters. We'll list their statistics. We'll say how the fight would go, who would win, who we like more and why. And that would be, we would do that straight for like two issues, if that. And then very, I'm going to say, I was going to say gradually, but quite rapidly, yeah. it would go, it would go off the rails <laughs> until, until you get to the point where Dan's, Dan's already gone off the rails a bit. <laughs> like, he's gotten bored. He's gone, Patrick, do you want to do it this week? I've gone, yeah. And I've done what, um, like, Tifa from Final Fantasy or Aerith from Final Fantasy versus Calvin Klein's 
something or other fragrance oh, from men. No, that was M. And, Bison versus Calvin Klein's something or other for men. Right. And I think the winner was Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> like the, the, the winner of the match was Final Fantasy VII because Final Fantasy VII always wins every poll, <laughs> no matter what it is. That's was kind of the joke there. <laughs> so, so it got really weird. I think the best one ever was a one Dan did, which was um, Patrick Stewart versus Joseph Stalin. I was going <laughs> to mention that. That was that was I think the that was a, that was the best gaming grudge match. I think um, that was really brilliant. That was a high point. I think. I remember in very early issues, you still sort of trying to figure it out a little bit because there were moment there were. Uh, I think one of the features was interviewing a video game character and mm. it was played very sort of straight. Yeah, it had to like, be. Like, we're, <laughs> we're going to interview uh, Tack from Tack and the Power of Juju. Um, we might have done that in conjunction with one of the publishers, yeah. like the video game publishers. Maybe. Oh, yeah. right. So every time, so what would, I'd send the questions to the PR person and they'd answer in character. And oh, also, oh yeah, I, but then the PR people wouldn't have time to do it, or we wouldn't have time to come up with the questions, or yeah, or get it done and get the questions sent to them. I in just time. figured you made all that shit up. Like oh, no. you just, oh okay, wow, I didn't know that's how it worked. That's pretty much you did eventually. Any straight <laughs> content in the mag, like anything that reads like a regular gaming magazine, is because we did it in conjunction with PR or advertisers mm. or something like that. Sure, um, but. Even aside from mo- from just like a you know just silly sort of random humor, there there's like really really good moments of uh, satire that feel almost Igra esque, especially in like the um, uh, newsflash section. <laughs> there's one where you interview uh, uh, Peter Molyneux when he moved to when he moved to Microsoft and. Uh, all the questions you were asking were very like you're doing this for money, right? And he would be very uh, his responses, which were <laughs> obviously fake, were always very evasive and very PR friendly. Like, oh, we have the same sort of creative vision, you know that that kind of that would uh, have been yours, Dan. I think no, that yes. was yours. You did all the was um, it? Yeah, oh, I'm pretty wow. sure you did all the newsflash interviews. Are you sure? Yeah. I know I did. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Metal Gear Solid. Oh, the Hideo Kojima interview. Kojima. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did the Kojima one. I don't recall doing the Peter Molyneux one. Because no, I, I, I wasn't. Really? Yep. Are you sure that wasn't you? No, hundred percent. Yeah. Newsflash oh, wow. was your section while you were there. Yeah. I was certain that was Dan. <laughs> For some reason, I just felt like I felt it in my body that was Dan. That sounds more Danish to me. It totally. Plus, was. I, I. I I feel oh, like okay. Peter Molyneux was more your kind of topic because uh, I wasn't so familiar with his output and you were the sort of Peter Molyneux fan. It really wasn't about his output. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He no. just, I can't remember what it was, like he, he sold Lionhead, I think, to Microsoft for just fistfuls of money. And Yeah, right. Yeah, the thrust was, you know, he used to be this guy making it for the games and now suddenly he's got fistfuls of money. So far. Yeah. Okay. I guess this shows you how in sync we were. Um, sometimes I can read the old magazines and I specifically remember doing something or I specifically remember Dan doing something, maybe because I remember him making a joke about it that, like in person that made its way into the text. But a lot of the time I read stuff and I'm not 
like I mean I haven't read the magazine in years but but if I ever read old issues sometimes I wouldn't be sure who did it um and of course sometimes it wasn't either of us sometimes it was the freelancers you know yeah other I think because well. I was the editor I can pretty much recognize everyone's style yeah um well that sort of leads me to my next question were you guys working sort of together in in an office at the next place was that did you have like a, a single cubicle <laughs> or like how, yeah. how did it so next basically. was like an open plan office right it was like one of the it used to be a factory and basically they turned the factory floor into an open plan office and so the, the office was more or less divided into two halves on one half you had like the kids magazines you had mania little angel uh i think maybe a soap magazine i can't remember and on our side world was yeah yeah exactly like and then on our side we had like the gaming magazine so we had hyper pc power play total gamer Mm. and yeah i think that was it and amos was on our side as well the cd guy so yeah we i think i shared like a little cubicle with malky the designer of hyper and across from me there was patrick and then whoever was designing total gamer at the time a rotating cast. Yeah, yeah. Some um, never than Sally. That. We always wanted Sally, and Sally always wanted to design our magazine. Yeah, you know and why. And we got right? along with her so well. You know why? Because right? because we wanted her. No, because Phil thought I wanted to fuck her. Oh, really? Is that why? Yeah, no. He literally oh, said that. Jesus. Yeah. That's like totally. I mean, off base, but also like no one's business, surely. Yeah, man. Well, you know. Phil was a strange man. Wow. Anyways. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? Yeah. You knew him better than I did, but yeah. Yeah, do you remember Kids Hate Christmas? Kids Hate Christmas, yeah. I remember because I put that in one of the comics. Yeah. Or one of the one of the next month pages. I yeah. drew that down the hmm. bottom. Kids Hate Christmas. Once when we were, doing a, we were doing an issue around Christmas, and I said, oh, we should put something about Christmas on the cover or something like that. And he's like, no, nah, kids hate Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that's where it came from. Yeah, it's great. Holy shit. <laughs> um, so, since you were the editor, Dan, uh, I wanted to ask who did um, most of the competition pages. Was that a uh, rotating cast? Yeah, we rotated between me and Patrick. I mean, that was again one they're, of those things that neither of us wanted to do. Yeah, they're incredible. Like, um, yeah, they got my, they got very silly. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of my personal favorites is this one for a bunch of uh, sort of full metal alchemist like uh, swag, like a t-shirt and a, and a hat. And uh, the whole thing's very sarcastic, like, oh, do you want all this cool anime stuff? And um, <laughs> what, what, yeah, what you wrote, it was like very like, oh, you want all this, don't you? And, and then um, the competition, it's written here, write your name and address on the back of an envelope. Then punch yourself in the face until you get a blood nose. And just bleed all over the envelope. Wait till it dries, then address it and send it to Total Gamers. And, like, that's not even really a joke. You're just telling kids to punch themselves in the face, really, a little bit. Did you get any competitions of uh, blood on envelopes during that month? I really you hope know? not. I don't remember. I don't think so. If, if any kid actually sort of drew red texture or something on the envelope as a joke by the time we got the envelopes we would have forgotten writing the <laughs> because there's this huge delay time with magazines we would have we would have forgotten what the subtle joke is and i would i'd be sort of i'd do it every month but i'd, I'd be shooting myself in the foot in retrospect where i'd 
make the the name of the competition something really silly, um, almost totally unrelated to the actual <laughs> prize uh, and topic of the competition. And then when I'd get the envelopes coming in, because I had to sort of sort out the prizes and stuff, and I'd have this big pile of envelopes, and I'd have to sort them into into piles, and I'd be like, which which competition was this for? This is nonsense. What does this mean? <laughs> I think the favorite. I think the one I remember because I, I had a scan of it, so I've seen it more recently than some of the other issues. Was um. Win the Super Monkey Ball Deluxe. You <laughs> might as well have some fun before you die. <laughs> yes, I believe um, it says here um, uh, what you have to do. All you need to do is tell us in 50,000 words or less how you fight off the existential dread that comes as a consequence of living a life that is ultimately empty and bereft of meaning. Like a void yeah. filled with a thousand screaming monkeys trapped in polyurethane balls. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> it's a good competition for, for kids to, to write into. <laughs> I think some of those competition pages, I'd go really off the rails and Dan would sort of tone it down a bit um, when he was editing it afterwards. But yeah, like they were, you, you have to make it fun for yourself, you know? Yeah. It's, I, I it's loved, your job. I really loved also, um, you sort of, in the cheat section, you would occasionally, very sort of occasionally, uh, put little tiny jokes in there of just preamble to the cheats for each game and like one for like Ice Age 2 or something would just be like look no one it would essentially be like no one gives a shit who really cares <laughs> about these cheats that we're going to tell you how to unlock this Ice Age character yeah look man Fuck doing it, the doing the cheats page was a grim time every month <laughs> <laughs> it was just like that was the point where it was always left till really late in the cycle, like usually we'd be on deadline day and it'd be like, I don't know, like six o'clock or something. And you'd just be like, fuck this. And that's usually when we started <laughs> yeah. doing our more interesting stuff. Yeah. Like uh, when I believe this has to be Patrick who wrote in uh, the extra life section about stoats for a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the um, animal. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. That sounds yeah, like me. Did did a whole a whole uh, <laughs> column about it essentially without I don't remember. without referencing what a stoat is uh, that it's silly <laughs> I'm not gonna read this whole thing I'll, I'll scan it up for the for the people uh, to okay. see um, but I believe yeah. after this came sort of after total game was done uh, Dan you left for university at that point i believe and march yeah. might have taken over for nintendo gamer yeah so march took over total gamer after patrick left so when patrick left i was like okay i should do something with my life as well and so i sort of became a deputy editor and was part-time and march came over and took over the magazine and i think he did three or four issues i can't remember exactly how many it wasn't a lot and Not many, no. What happened was that uh, Coles, for some reason, decided they didn't want to stock the magazine anymore. They didn't have shelf space or something like that. And that was it. Yeah, the magazine was shut down. Oh, it's a, it's a sad end. Like, it's a sad end for what I consider to probably <laughs> be the best video game magazine uh, ever. It's, it's, it's why I really, really want to post some, like, just... I want to do the scans right so they, you know, look very presentable and nice. 
because um, I really w- would like it to be sort of rediscovered at some point because I, I imagine the audience for it at the time was you know probably just mostly kids and stuff and i yeah. feel like the content was a lot uh, more than the sum of its parts i don't know i, I think it's a great magazine it's one of my Thank favorite you. things yeah. uh, from my childhood and and in in a weird tangential way it brought uh, me and kevin together because we met um uh on the eager forum in like 2008 Huh. Oh, Kevin, are you from the Eager Forums as well? Yes, he's a he's yes, Soy Voyage. I was there. Oh! Oh, huh. oh why'd you call yourself Kevin? <laughs> Just one of those. Soy Voyage. I rebranded myself. Ah. Yes, okay, nice. now I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> yes. oh, you, were a, you were a good poster. I was a, I was a shit one. I was terrible because <laughs> I was like 13. Um, Ke- Kevin was of a much older age at that okay, point. I don't remember what I posted on there. No, me neither. But um, lost to time, I'm afraid. Yes, yes I remember. Uh, it was when when Supernova was it Supernova where like where you guys went as Igra to yeah uh, have a little booth in like 2010, 2009. That's maybe. right. We did, didn't we? One one year. 2008. And we yeah. had a zine. We had a yeah. Yes, you had a zine, and <laughs> I, I was there. I ca- I was a little shy boy who uh, approached you guys. Yeah, I remember um, that. And uh, I, I got you guys to sign one for Soy Voyage, who was Kevin here as well. So there, ah. it was all those years ago. It all comes together <laughs> in a very satisfying. But um, I get. Did you guys want to uh, wrap it up at this point, or? Sure. I mean, uh, do we want to talk about Eager a little bit, or? Yeah, we, yeah, we we could talk about Eager for sure. Um, I, I just wanted to check if you guys had time. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. We Did get to hear about how great we are and how much we love us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you, you can you can come back any time for for a reminiscing podcast. You can just, we can just stroke your ego all day. Um, uh, so, ego, was ego? Did someone come up to you and just ask you to make something? Um, yeah. Sort of in the vein of Total Gamer. Yeah, that's literally what happened. Uh, so, Pretty much. Wow. It was a PR lady actually. Uh, her name was Christine Kane, and she was doing PR for I can't remember who it was, but. They did an Ice Age 2 game, and Christine arranged for me to see the game, and I did a preview of it, which basically just took the piss out of it. <laughs> I, think, I think she got in trouble for that, but she liked the style, and she liked the rest of the magazine. And so, after Total Gamer shut down, she gave me a call, I think, in late 2007, and was like, yeah, I've got some capital, and I want to do something that was just like Total Gamer, but on the internet. And so that's where Eager came from. Mm. And so Eager went on for a few years. I think you gained some, uh, quite a bit of popularity actually, especially with the um, sort of hilarity comics going viral a bit. Mm. A moderate um, amount. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did okay. It, I mean, we, it was the beginning of something. Yeah, yeah, within a year we had, how many were we getting regularly? Like, I was thinking it was like 50k a month, which isn't terrible. No. Y- yeah. Yeah, I, I discovered, I kind of got put off it a bit, but I discovered if, if with, with something like video games, you have this built-in audience, um, this kind of built-in fandom, uh, that even if you're just a new voice, even if, even if uh, the topic is the same, um, it's a lot easier to kind of get something going, I guess. You, uh, I believe another thing that sort of 
uh, the you had a shindig, the sort of almost game jammy sort of thing very early on, uh, which I imagine did quite well as well. Getting not really. Attention to the web. <laughs> no, really. that was that no. was a bit of a. Um, I don't want to say a disaster. What's the, what's the word I'm after? Where um, look, it just yeah, it uh, didn't get the amount of attention that we hoped it would. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, it was it was strange. You could organise like a game jam on the internet via you know like a forum where different people are interested in games. You know, like like on the IGRA forums. Sure. And at that time, people were doing that, and it could have been quite popular. But we thought, wouldn't it be great? If we actually, you know, like offered a prize for this, like so that there's kind of a motivation, so somebody's getting some money, you know what I mean? Like, um, but what happened was as soon as we turned it into a competition, people got really suspicious and didn't want to participate. That's that's sort of how I remember it happening. And like, because there were terms and conditions, um, you know, which which like Christine kind of took care of for us because that's not like me and Dan's thing at all and... Um, yeah, so it, it just kind of didn't really get a lot of promotion, and um, yeah, it got it got you know maybe a couple of handfuls of entries, but it, um, unfortunately, it wasn't the big success that we had hoped. I think part of the problem was that we offered money, but not enough. You know what I mean? Mm. Like people saw that. Well, it was two grand, and people. I think the general sort of feeling was that it was enough to make it not worth it because some people would put in effort, you know what I mean? But it wasn't enough to justify a lot of effort to compete with those other people. So it was sort of, it hit this kind of middle ground where people were like, eh, you know. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I think we um, had, I think we had two grand and it was like 1000 for the, for the first prize and the rest of the money got divided. Yeah. Um, between a few other prizes. And so did, Eager eventually sort of uh, peter out due to sort of did the funds run out on that or yeah was it yeah is that just basically it was it was sort of uh, as I understand it um, kind of half on the outside but like the the funds were running thin but also you know at that point most of the um, the income it was making uh, was from advertising and. Just as we were kind of gaining momentum, I guess, the global financial crisis hit and suddenly internet advertising died because that was, for a lot of companies, extraneous uh, and it was one of the first things to go, one of the first expenditures to go, I guess. And so, um, yeah, it all just kind of went to poo because, um, I mean, it was it was a big, uh, you know, proper kind of project and me and dan were being you know paid like like wages uh it's it's not it's not like it was me and dan's pet project uh, i mean it kind of was obviously because it was you know we, we take our work seriously and we we, we try to do something interesting and uh, you know whatever i'm doing i want it to be really good and i'm sure dan feels the same way we put a lot into it but it was never like I think people had the impression, just because of the style of it, the style of it was so personal and, and real that um, people figured it was just like a blog that two guys were doing for fun that kind of became popular. But it wouldn't have happened if there hadn't been money there to begin with. It was, it was you know, Christine's thing that she was paying us to do. Um, yeah, you know, like it, it, it involved too much work to kind of uh, do it as a side hobby for me personally. Mm. 
so yeah, unfortunately, it just um, we we tried to keep it going, but then it kind of petered out. And... Well, we never really figured out how to make money with it. I I feel like um, a lot of the time we would we would defer uh, to kind of to Christine um, since she was she was the business person behind it. Um, whereas in retrospect, I feel like maybe there was a lot of kind of like internet developments and in, in internet ways of doing things that were quite new to her based on her background where we could have stepped in more and gone, look, we should do this, we should do this, this is what people are doing now, this is what seems to be working. Um, but we but we sort of, Dan and I don't consider ourselves business people at all. And so we were kind of stepping back and saying, okay, well, let's leave all this up to Christine. Whereas in retrospect, I feel like... Um, you know, maybe a lot of the time uh, we could have been more involved and mm. that would have been helpful. Well, I mean, a precondition of my being involved with Igra was that I wouldn't do any business stuff. Like, Yeah, right. Because, I yeah. mean, when you're an editor, you sort of have to do that stuff. Not a lot, but it's enough that it's unpleasant. And I was just like, I just want to create stuff. I just want to write. And mm. so, yeah, we agreed when I came on that Christine would handle that stuff and I wouldn't have to. Whether that was a mistake or not is another question. Yeah, this was also sort of, I think Igra kind of felt a bit just shortly before things like Kickstarter and Patreon came along, you know, like like, yeah. like a couple of years down the track. Um, and we, we, we had a big enough audience probably to that, that we could have gotten some support from them via that kind of thing yeah. if it had been around at the time. But uh, yeah, you know, my, my whole career in such as it is seems to often exist in these little gaps um you know working in this media when actually this other thing is the next thing that's going to be the big thing that takes off working in this space when actually this space is dying and this space is about to become really huge and you know um yeah well whatever that's life <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting in the case of both uh total gamer and Igra, they're kind of not uh being able to keep going for like kind of weird reasons that aren't really in your control at all that's pretty much everything though isn't it yeah well i think TV now shows. you can have stuff you can like like with patreon and stuff now you can have stuff where you know you're getting uh you're getting money from the people that that want to see it so i guess with with eager and total gamer and stuff you there's there's interest there but it wasn't that wasn't what was getting translated into being able to continue to do it. Well, with Total Gamer, yeah. I mean, it was just we never had enough readers for the magazine to be sustainable yeah. ever at any point. Um, mm. I think there's only like one issue where we made a profit. Every other issue, <sighs> <laughs> and I mean, in uh, in Phil, the publisher's defense, he kept the magazine going for 27 issues. He didn't have to, and honestly, I was expecting him to shut it down pretty much every month. And he did for some reason. I don't know why. I've never understood why. Because he was always very uh, sort of hard-hearted and very sort of analytic business. You know, if it's not profiting, then fuck it, get rid of it kind of guy. But yeah, he kept Total yeah. Gamer around. I don't know why. Mm. I think maybe he mm. thought it could be popular. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically. Mm. I think, Jace, Jace, if you wanted to say that you know, maybe not the best video game magazine ever, but if you wanted to say that Igra was the last great video game magazine, <laughs> that I could believe because <laughs> uh -huh. it was probably one of the last video game magazines at all. 
because um, print, you know, print print just ain't ain't what it was, son. Well, hyper still around and sort of. Is it? Way, I think. No, not really. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I see it on newsstands sometimes. Well, I mean, it doesn't exist uh, as hyper agency. used to exist. It's a yes it's a quarterly now. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Igra, because... I think. Mm, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I really like the um sort of form of the magazine there's something i still really like about uh flipping through a magazine like that i don't know yeah me too i agree it's, it's, it's... Mm, mm. and i think dan yeah. you always you, you both uh worked really well in that format in dan like working in uh hyper and pc power play your reviews were always really your coverage was always uh really good i thought uh, no, and you've you. worked really well in that format I yeah i mean i i grew up reading game magazines i really love game magazines or at least mm certain kinds of games magazines so i'm very fond mm. of the form and i kind of i miss them i mean there's only a couple yeah. left now and they're not great they have to be basically pamphlets to survive and that's a shame mm. yeah yeah i, um, I, I don't know i, I liked just... mm. oh i'm sorry patrick you go this time <laughs> I, I i liked the format um because like i said before i think i think i do a lot of my best work when i'm given something to do and i go <laughs> no i'm gonna do this instead <laughs> And I subvert it. I totally um, realise that, like a couple issues in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good, good. When people realise that, then they, then they know what to do with me, um, and then I know what to do with myself. Because, like I said before, I think with Igra we sort of had so much freedom. Yeah. And I think even in a business sense, um, Igra might have been a bit ultimately self-defeating, just because both of us had such, um, not out and out cynical. We we both love video games, but very. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of cynical and skeptical attitudes towards the whole industry, mm. and especially, I mean, I once I started actually writing about video games for a living, uh, and and then you're sort of a bit closer to the inside of it, and you're paying attention more to the the sort of back end of video games, if you like. It's I I got cynical and disillusioned really, really quickly and increasingly, and that kind of reflects a lot. Uh, in in Igra, so Igra was kind of liked mostly by other people who just, you know, liked video games but hated video games. Yeah, we got a lot of weird fans too, man. Like, <laughs> I think if Igra was still around today, that Gamergators would probably like it. Mistake. That's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, I I kind of feel that way too. There's when you're a cynic and you're a bit, your writing's a bit kind of. Um, you know, uh, nasty, I guess, you know, you kind of attract an audience uh, of, of kind of sometimes quite hateful people. Mm. And it's like, no, this, this isn't, you know, there's, there's a context here that I don't think you're quite getting. Like, um, I remember when I did yeah. that, that column, I did like a, a satire of right-wing columns about Resident Evil 5 for Igra. It was basically just right. sort of, you know, doing a right-wing parody of the con- controversy that was happening at the time. Oh, but because it, of the, the African thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was making right. fun of that, and then I got a bunch of emails from people, like, unironically going, yeah, that's totally right, good for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Raimondo Person would get fans like that sometimes <laughs> as well. And I realise, you know... Yeah, you've you've got to be careful. I, I realize nowadays more than I used to when I was younger. Um, you know, y- you do have 
Art of any kind is communication, which means that as an author, you do have a responsibility not just to be your pure, you know, id self. You do have a responsibility to actually consider the context in which you're writing and think about how people at large are going to interpret this and not necessarily defer to that in every aspect, but work with it. Mm. Um, You know, a lot of my stuff in retrospect, I think, um, I, I would do differently now, partly because my own opinions have changed and matured, of course, as well, but partly because a lot of the time they came across as being um, not quite what they actually were. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, think, I think Daniel's right. I think uh, there would have been a, a percentage of the Igra audience that would have, that would have turned gamer gatory. Um, yeah, I think I, I specifically did. You see it, Dan? I did when when Gamergate was all a buzz. Um, oh, the comic! I did that. I did a comic with those guys from yeah, yeah, from yeah. the Igra comics, um, just to kind of nip that in the bud, just in case <laughs> there were any leftover Igra fans who imagined that that you know I might be taken their side mm. i just wanted to kind of publicly be like nope yeah was. you're the you're the guys you're the guys we always hated <laughs> like you're you're the side of the culture that we were always poking fun at so fuck off <laughs> <laughs> it's strange but my favorite um i, I really like the the satire in Igra, but also i really like the um a lot of the just straight up uh positivity of the blog stuff especially stuff that patrick did um in relation to just like his living in japan and hanging out with like uh you know going to uh, talking about like ymck (laughs) music and hanging out with uh kenichi nishi and kenji eno and that kind of thing yeah yeah. oh were they oh good good i feel a bit bashful about those um but yeah i guess um you're you're more vulnerable when you're actually honest about loving things aren't you but yeah. um i think yeah the great tragedy of those articles is that when i was reading them i was like nobody's gonna read these and i think it was, <laughs> i think it was true of the number because they were just long they were long and you had to sort of you know think and pay attention and in my experience yeah. that content doesn't tend to fly yeah yeah i yeah i don't know i feel like we could you know these days we could probably do an eager to eager Igra 2 and and make make sort of more of a go of it. I think we both have a better sense for finding that balance between expressing ourselves but also writing something that, you know, people can sort of immediately connect with. Um, I think, you know... I know personally I'm much more serious these days about um, things like... I'm not that I'm good at it or that I know much about it, but I've I've come to understand that when it comes to things like business and branding and marketing and promotion and that sort of thing, um, even though it might not be my favorite thing to do, ultimately I can either work a shitty day job that I hate and then come home and draw comics and make music or write about video games or whatever, or... I can work to make the creative stuff my day job and the marketing and promotion stuff will just be the shitty part of it. And I think the latter I would enjoy more because ultimately it's, it's, I have to do something shitty anyway. I'd rather minimize that 
and have it be part of my own goals rather than going to work every day and making some other cunt rich um, and wasting my time. Because I only have one life, you know what I mean? And there's only one person who can do the things that I do. And it's a tragedy for the world at large, (laughs) the less time I have to do it. So I feel like I owe it to myself and the universe to actually try and make this work. And so that's what I'm sort of... That's why after I finished this comic, just to go back to the Tobias and Jube comic, um, as soon as I finished it, I decided, like, um, you know, uh, I see all of my really talented, genius cartoonist friends and and people who do other creative things as well, um, but especially cartoonists, because I know so many of them, complete some project, and it's amazing, and it should change the world. Um, but, you know, they're so eager to do the next thing, and they just start, they just get on with the next thing. And um, uh, But then they're struggling with finding the time to do it, because they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's not making me any money, and it's not, uh, I don't have the time, I have to get a part-time job, and all this sort of stuff. and, and or, or just being sad and disappointed that, this amazing thing that they put so much work into and so so many years into just hasn't found an audience. And I realized when I finished my when I finished Tobias and Jubin the Something Hat Mystery, I, I, I was so excited. I was like, I'm I'm really in the mood now. I feel like I'm on a roll. I want to keep working with these characters. Um and I wanted to move on to the next thing. But I sort of said to myself, Look, it's up to you, even though you have a publisher, like really realistically it's up to you to promote this um you could promote the hell out of it and it still might fail but i told myself i have to spend at least as much time and effort promoting this and trying to get it out there and trying to find an audience for it i have to spend at least as much time doing that as i did making the comic i think i owe the comic that much because i'll never be able to turn this into a living unless at some point, you know, something breaks and something becomes popular enough that I can get some momentum and, and keep doing this as a job. Yeah. I found um, that when I was younger, I very much labored under the delusion that if something was good, it would just attract an audience by virtue yeah, of it yeah. being good. Like it would have like a good gravity that would just draw people in. Well, but... they tell you that. You, you, It's not an illusion you create yourself. People tell you this. Mm. And it's partly true, I guess. It's partly true really. if you're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, you need luck too. That's the thing. It's one of the things, uh, as like a very small, independent uh, video game studio, sort of starting up and, and trying to get ourselves out there a little bit and get us into the public eye, uh, mm. has been one of those things of like, we really have to do it ourselves because we don't really have the sort of assets or funds to do it. Uh, I remember last year... Uh, we went to PAX, but we didn't have the money to apply to show our game there at the indie booth. So right. we said, well, uh, we'll fly me to Melbourne and we'll build... It's it's a sort of like a Ghostbusters horror-themed like platformer. So we built like a Proton packs and put iPads on the Proton packs and uh, dressed up like a Ghostbuster and took the game around on the backpacks with controllers for people to play huh. as we walked around the show. That's cool. Um, so it's been a lot of sort of trying to self-promote and make our way sort of around barriers and sort yeah, of... Yeah, I like it, man. It's it's creative. It's guerrilla. It's nice. Good <laughs> yeah. job. So did, 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 did you get much attention? 
Um, we got some. We got a, a <laughs> good amount of like just uh, pretty much the whole show. We were had people around us checking out our backpacks, um, nice. sort of going around the show, and we tried to get ourselves out there talking to because we're all a bunch of shy boys, so we didn't <laughs> want to talk to any of the, the other game developers. But we went up to uh, Rami, who made like a nuclear throne and games like that, and showed showed him our games. And I think we're doing a much better job of sort of trying to trying to get out there in the space and because it, it's there's so many games coming out especially on steam and stuff like that that's super 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 hard to get attention at all really mm. it's one of those things mm. um well again i mean it just seems like so much of it is luck like if you manage to get one popular streamer to play your game mm. then you're you're set right like yeah well that's what got us through green light <laughs> we just had our green light and then it just happened that Jim Sterling did a video on like the the trailer because he was doing a series on uh, things that looked good ah. on Greenlight. And Jim then, Sterling, yeah, that... I remember him. Yeah, yeah, I I remember knowing him because everyone else knew him, and he was the subject of all these jokes. And but I think he quite liked us, didn't? Yeah, he? yeah, we yeah. had a few back and forth. Yeah. But anyway, so Jim Sterling reviewed your yeah, he just video looked at the preview. trailer. I'm just by just that video meant that we got through green light in like a week nice. oh wow Congratulations. i think it was it was right. a good it was yes yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you well they don't have it anymore it was like a i think that you know, green light was still kind of a good idea because it made like it made uh the, if you put your project up you had to get a certain amount of votes so you were kind of forced to try and market it and then see you might be able to see if there was a market for it there or if there wasn't Mm, and mm, so mm. yeah there's going to be a lot of stuff coming through now that like maybe is very strange and not like viable mm. but it was yeah it was a valuable it was a valuable kind of thing for us to do yeah it's interesting with, with uh kind of marketing and what we're going to do and what we can do well it's like an it's another example of what we were talking about before with patrick and i it's like is it working within your limitations and doing interesting things within those limitations sometimes limitations are good man yeah limitations are great limitations are the best uh, thank you everyone for for listening to our ted talk um, <laughs> yeah. thank you all for listening um but yeah I, I guess we should probably start start wrapping it all up now i imagine it's really late where dan is sorry dan. yeah yeah i'm actually but wanna... we we started wrapping at the beginning of the interview but now you're spelling it differently right Yes. Well, well <laughs> okay. no. We, it's it's kind of coming full circle. We've been wrapping the whole time, and now we're wrapping it up. You ah, see, word wordplay. Word I like. <laughs> yes. Um, so it was super great of you guys to come on. Thank you so much. Um, uh, you can it was come. a huge pleasure to speak to you both briefly, as well as to catch up with Dan a bit. Yeah, likewise. Yes. It was good. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, Thanks come, for setting it come, up. Come, come by any time you, you want to our humble podcast abode yeah probably i heard about uh, the midpoint between sydney and melbourne (laughs) yes so canberra (laughs) um so from montreal uh from uh, japan from melbourne and sydney we wish you well on on your travels listener goodbye (laughs) bye everyone bye (laughs) goodbye everyone (laughs) bye